Welcome to From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, who's in a well-timed and powerful series called The Days of Noah. Today, you'll learn that there's but one way to avoid the fate of those who lived in Noah's day in a message entitled, Man's Only Hope. series called The Days of Noah, and we're looking at the biblical account of the days of Noah, the life of Noah, of the situations that Noah faced, of the flood of the ark. People wanted to know in Noah's day, is there any hope? People want to know in our day, is there any hope? There is hope. God is the God of hope. And even when everything gets dark and black and wicked as it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. We are going to be facing the days of Noah if we're not already in the the beginning stages of the days of Noah uh, with wickedness and vice and violence just covering the earth and the earth becoming corrupt in the sight of God. That's the way it was in the days of Noah. And the Lord Jesus said that's what it's going to be like when I return. Is there any hope? There's hope in God because God is the God of hope. Now, let's look today at Genesis chapter 6 and see what hope was there for the world that then was. Genesis chapter 6, I'll begin reading in verse 9. It says, These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. And Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them, and behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubit from the top and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I... Even I am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life. From under heaven, everything that is on the earth shall perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall keep two of every kind into the ark. To keep them alive with you, they shall be male and female." 
of the birds after their kind and of the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every kind shall come to you to keep them alive. And as for you, take for yourselves some of all food which is edible and gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. The story of Noah and the ark and the flood. It was ridiculed in Noah's day as Noah built the thing, as Noah preached for 120 years that a flood was coming. He was mocked, he was laughed at, he was ridiculed. You have lots of people that don't want to believe this story, but I love what the Scripture says in Romans chapter 3, verse 4. Let God be found true though every man be found a liar. You weren't there. I wasn't there. He was there. And he tells us exactly what happened. And he's very specific in Genesis 6, Genesis 7, and Genesis chapter 8. This isn't just some fictitious story that was told. This really happened. And as I told you, it's very, very interesting When you study ancient civilizations, you find out that ancient civilizations, they all have a flood story in their uh, history. What does that tell you? There must have been a flood somewhere. That's why they all have a flood story. Now, in many of those civilizations, the flood story gets very paganized because so many pagan religions come out of those ancient civilizations, but still they had a story about a worldwide flood. Hey, God has things that he wants to teach us from Noah and his ark. So let's look today at two certainties that you can go home with today at the end of this service and say, man, I'm certain of these two things, and I have learned a lot today from God's Word about Noah and Noah's ark. Certainty number one, Noah's ark was an actual vessel. It was a real thing that he built. It took him 120 years, but it was a real vessel. It wasn't make-believe. This isn't just some kind of story. This really happened, and it really happened in the life of Noah, and God spoke to Noah when Noah was 480 years old, and Noah spent 120 years building the boat, and when Noah was 600 years old, God told him, now come on in to the ark. It's a real thing. Now, here's a, here's a problem that we have when we start to look at Noah's Ark. Problem is we have been influenced by children's Bibles and pictures of what the Ark is supposed to be like. Remember this about this thing called the Ark. It was a large box, not a large ship. A large box, not a large ship. God tells Noah how to make this, and this is how you shall make it. Verse 15, the length of the ark, 300 cubits. A cubit is about 18 inches. A cubit was measured from the uh, middle finger to the elbow, and they said that was about 18 inches. So 300 cubits is 450 feet, a football field and a half. That was the length. The width would have been 75 feet or 50 cubits, and the height would have been 45 feet, 30 cubits. And this is what it looked like. 
That's a picture that it, it, it somebody has, has drawn, but it gives you a better idea of what the ark probably looked like. It wasn't a ship. It was a big box. It was a rectangular box. It didn't have a, a bow in front. It didn't have a prow. It didn't have a stern. You know, ships today are made, they're made this way with a, with a uh, sloped sides, and it comes to a point, and it's to cut through the water. Well, because the ship today is trying to get from point A to point B. The ark wasn't trying to get from point A to point B. There was no point B. The ark was just trying to survive. It was, it was just, as I told you, it's just like a floating uh, bomb shelter. That's what the ark was built for. And, and see, it was built to float, not to navigate. There, there was no rudder on the ark. There was no steering wheel on the ark. There's no... Uh, control center on the ark as far as, well, you know, let's go to the bridge. There, there's no bridge on the ark. There are rooms on the ark, and there are three levels on the ark, and there are animals on the ark, and food on the ark, and Noah and his wife and his, his three sons, and each one of them had a wife, and that's, that's what there was on the ark. God was the navigator. God was controlling everything. But it was basically a floating barge, and that's what it, it was. Now, Interestingly, the way God had them build it made it really, really durable and really uh, capable of surviving this terrible flood that was coming upon the earth. Because the way it was constructed in terms of the dimensions, uh, 450 feet long and 75 feet wide, that's a 6 to 1 ratio. And a six-to-one ratio is the way they build ships today, six-to-one or eight-to-one. They found out that that, that keeps it stable. And uh, it, it, studies have been done, and they said, you know, the way Noah's Ark was built, and it being at least just a big rectangular box, it would have been virtually impossible to tip the thing over because of the way it was made. Now, in Babylon, they had a flood story. It's called the, the Epic of Gilgamesh. And in their flood story, the ark that the people go into in their story is made like a cube. I mean, you just roll, everybody would be dead uh, that would enter into the cube because you would roll like dice on a, on a game board in that kind of thing. So God's ark that he had Noah built, it's long, six to one uh, length versus width, and it is able to withstand. Interestingly, too, the word ark is only used two times in the Bible in terms of uh, referring to something. You know, we, we think of the word ark, and we, uh, most of us in the Old Testament, think of Noah's ark for sure, and then we think of the ark of the covenant. That was the, the box, the chest, you know, with the angels on top, the, and the, the thing that Indiana Jones was looking for, that, that thing. But that's a different word. God doesn't use the same word that he uses here. The word ark here is the Hebrew word uh, teva, and it's only used to talk about Noah's ark, and it's used to talk about one other vessel, and that was the vessel that Moses was in when his mother created a wicker basket, an ark, and covered it over with pitch and put it out in the Nile to protect her little baby boy. He had an ark, too. Only two times that it uses that in reference to Noah's ark, in reference to Moses. And so the ark's a large box, not a large ship, built to float, not to navigate, 
Hey, the ark was an actual vessel, and it was built to specifications. Certainty number two, not only was Noah's ark an actual vessel, but Noah's ark was a picture of Jesus Christ. What makes Noah's ark so special? It's an object lesson. A big object lesson, a huge object lesson, weighed 14,000 tons. That's a big lesson. And it's there for God to say, this is a picture of my son because this is a picture of the salvation that's found only in Jesus Christ. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 3, he's the one that makes the correlation between the ark and the flood and Jesus Christ. And Bible scholars across the board believe that the ark is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to give you some reasons why, some characteristics about the ark that lets you know it's a picture and an object lesson of the Lord Jesus Christ. First characteristic, it had three decks, three decks. That's what he says in verse 16. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubit from the top. The ark had a window in it. All the way around at the top, it had a window in it. And don't you know Mo, uh, Noah was excited about the window in the ark? He's on the ark for over a year. You know, it's one thing to be on a cruise, but nobody goes on a cruise in a barn, right? I, you don't, and, and it would really smell bad in the ark. So you are thanking God every day for the window that went around the ark. It had a window in it. You shall make a window for the ark, verse 16, and finish it to a cubit, 18 inches from the top, and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Three decks. Not two, not four, not five, three. Three. Why did it have to have three decks? Because it pictures the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God exists in tri-unity, or as we put those words together, Trinity. And it pictures the, the Trinity there. It also pictures the tri-unity of man, because man is made in the image of God, and man is made in a Trinity, so to speak. He is spirit, he is soul, he is body. And it speaks of salvation. You know, when God saves a person, he doesn't just save their spirit. He saves the whole person. And he saves a person, spirit, soul, and body. And he saves that way. So you can say honestly and uh, theologically and be theologically sound, I am saved, but I'm in the process of being saved, and I one day am going to be saved. And all those things are true for a Christian. You are saved. You're saved the moment that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You are stamped justified, justified in Jesus Christ. That happens in your spirit. When the Holy Spirit of God comes into the human spirit and makes you alive spiritually, you're justified. It's God looks at you just as if you never sinned. You are saved. But he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He begins to work in you in your soul, and the soul is the mind and the will and the emotions, and God works in your soul. And what does he work in your soul? To make you more like Jesus. We have a process in the Bible. It's called sanctification. 
Sanctification is the setting apart. It's the work that God does to make you more like Christ. It's how a person grows. So I'm in the process as a Christian of being sanctified, and I am being saved. But then one day, for a Christian, the Lord is going to change our bodies, and we get a glorified body. That's what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 3. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of this humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. We're going to, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that this mortal must put on immortality and this perishable must put on the imperishable. And we get a body like the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is called glorification, and that is coming. That hasn't happened yet. That is coming down the road when Jesus comes back. So I am saved when I receive Christ. I'm being saved because he's working in me, and I will be saved. And it's the three phases of salvation, and the ark was three levels, and God is a triune God, and man is made in his image, and he's spirit, and he's soul, and he is body. So there is the first uh, correlation. It had three decks. Secondly, it had one door. One door. Verse 16, you shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubit from the top and set the door of the ark in the side of it. It had one door in the ark. Now, anybody who is familiar with the New Testament knows when you talk about the door that Jesus talked about the door. Jesus said in John chapter 10, I am the door. I am the door of the sheepfold. He, he was the, he, he's the only door. He said that there are people that try and get in to the sheepfold, but you only can get in through the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He's the door. The ark had one door. didn't have a bunch of doors. It had one door. And everything had to come in that one door. Now, the whole ark pictures Jesus Christ. But very specifically, the door is such a poignant illustration of him because he is the door. And Noah, in the 600th year of his life, God says, Noah, you come into the ark. You come in. And I will bring all the animals to you. And everyone who was saved on that ark had to come through the door. Anyone who will ever make it to heaven has to come through Jesus Christ. You have to come through the only door. There is no other way to get in to heaven. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. And you know what's really interesting about this door? Noah didn't control the door. He went through the door. He built the door, obviously. He went through the door. But the Scripture says when Noah and all the animals were in the ark, God closed the door behind them. God is the one who shut the door. Genesis chapter 7, verse 16. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, entered as God had commanded him, and the Lord closed it behind him. The word for closed is also translated locked. It's a picture of being sealed in the ark. Couldn't get out of the ark. Once the Lord closed the door, there wasn't any, there wasn't any opening the door. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3 that the Lord is the God who opens 
and no man shuts and shuts and no man opens. And God shut the door of the ark and no man was going to open that door. Now, here's the wonderful truth about that. Some people wonder, you know, is my salvation secure? Can I lose my salvation? Well, obviously you can't because the ark's a picture of salvation and Noah couldn't lose his salvation. Noah might have fallen down many times in the ark, but he never fell out of it, right? And so here you are because God closed the door. If Noah had closed the door, maybe Noah could have opened the door, but Noah didn't open the door. God closed it. Noah didn't. God closed it, and God sealed it, and God locked it, and Noah was secure in the ark. And you and I as believers in Jesus are secure in him. And then lastly, it was man's only hope. There wasn't another ark. Wasn't another boat. There wasn't another place to go. It was that ark. That was it. Ark of salvation. There's room in the ark for many, many people, but nobody took Noah up on it. Nobody believed Noah. Scripture says there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Just Jesus. He's the only one. He's the only way. You know, you could have looked at the ark and said, well, you know, the ark looks pretty good. Looks like that's seaworthy. That looks like that'll handle. If we ever get a flood, Noah, that looks like that's the place to be. But if you didn't go on the ark, you didn't make it. Like I said, you could have seen the ark and said, that looks like that'll save me if I get on there and walk right past it. Listen, you have to go up the gangplank and through the door and put yourself in the ark in order to be saved from the flood. Have you ever done that? I don't know what it was like on the day the flood came. Maybe the people awakened to a clap of thunder, and they went outside, and the sky was black, and there was lightning, and they looked up, and maybe they felt for the very first time in their lives water dropping from the sky because the Bible indicates that it had never rained before this time. And all of a sudden, it began to drizzle. And then the drizzle turned into a downpour, and the downpour turned into a deluge. And then all of a sudden, the water began to come up from the bottom of the earth because the earth began to rip open and belch forth oceans of water. And no doubt, there were some people, and they waded their their way to the ark, and they waded up to the ark, and they began to beat on the ark, and they began to shout, Noah, let us in! And Noah couldn't let him in because the Lord had closed the door on the ark. And the day of grace was over. I don't know when that day is coming, but I can promise you that day is coming. God says, I, even I, will bring a flood upon the earth. God is patient, but his patience doesn't last forever. Uh, He says that my spirit shall not strive with man forever because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years, and one day there's going to be an end to God's grace. And then there's no time to get ready. You have to be ready. The time is now to get things right with God. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Behold, today is the day of salvation. My friend, the Lord loves you. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the dead. And if you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, you can today. Just pray this simple prayer. 
Lord Jesus, I need you. I know that I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I can't save myself, but I believe you are God in the flesh who died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life, forgive me of my sins, be my Lord and Savior. I surrender my all to you. My friend, if you'll pray that kind of prayer and mean it, the Lord will come in and your life will never be the same. I'd love to hear from you, to know that you're watching, to know that God is using this broadcast in your life, to know that you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ as Savior and Lord. Please take the time to call that toll-free number on the screen. Write me, email me, let me know what's going on and how we can pray for you. You are important to God and you're important to us and we're here for you. Today's message, Man's Only Hope, is available in multiple formats. For information about how to get your copy, call 877-777-6171 or go online to fromhisheart.org. Hey, would you like to know about the future? Well, Jesus has told us that the future is going to be much like the past. In fact, he said, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Noah's days, they were filled with wickedness and corruption, vice and violence. Hey, he lived in a world where people were on the precipice of judgment, and they didn't even realize it. And the same thing is happening today all around us. And the tragic part is that so many Christians have fallen asleep at the wheel. They're compromising with sin. They're basking in God's grace while ignoring God's truth. Now, certainly the Lord is rich in patience, but His patience is not without limits. And because God is a holy God, judgment is surely coming just as it came in Noah's day. Now, in Genesis 6-9, we read these words, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. And God is calling you and me to come out from the darkness and walk in the light with Him. If you want to do just that, I hope you'll get my seven-message series titled, The Days of Noah, and my companion booklet, Strong Faith for Tough Times. They'll provide a word of warning and a word of encouragement for you and for our world. So request these two resources when you contact us today. God bless you. To say thank you for your gift of support this month to From His Heart, we'd like to send you Pastor Jeff Shreve's seven-message series, The Days of Noah along with his encouraging booklet, Strong Faith for Tough Times, When the Impossible Meets God. Your gift of support makes such a difference. So thank you for standing with Pastor Jeff at this critical time in our history. Together, boldly sharing the truth of God's Word to a lost and dying world. Thank you for watching From His Heart, the viewer-supported broadcast outreach of Dr. Jeff Shreve, who believes that no matter how badly you may have messed up in life, God still loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org. Real truth, real love.